Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. The Reverend Sam Wells tells the story of an intuitive toddler who created a great deal of disruption for his family. He was particularly adept at the game of hide-and-seek with household items. The problem started when the rest of the family didn't realize he was playing this game and they were supposed to be searching. Over the course of several days, items essential for the function of the family went missing. First, his dad's mobile phone, then the television remote, and finally, the baby Jesus from the nativity scene. They turned over every couch cushion and looked in every possible corner with no results. His parents began to question whether they had unknowingly had a thief in the house. Finally, the missing items were found inside the toddler's favorite plastic school bus. The trick was not to look around, but to look inside. How often do we look around instead of taking a deep look at what's on the inside? Wells writes, on the cross, Jesus goes to the heart of it all. He goes inside sin, inside death, inside suffering, pain, rejection, hurt, violence, hunger, agony, and evil. Good Friday goes beyond the supposed presenting issues straight to the heart of the matter. John's account of Jesus' death on the cross ends with these words. It is finished. This was literal for Jesus. His body had reached the limit of physical suffering that was tolerable. But these words meant a great deal more than just an end to a bodily life. These words of finality provide an abrupt climax to a shuri that five short days ago included a ceremonial procession with palms. In this moment on the cross, Jesus, who addressed concerns about religion, power, and politics, is finished. In this moment on the cross, Jesus, who healed, named, and listened to those who had been marginalized and forgotten, is finished. In this moment on the cross, Jesus, who some argued was part of, su- of a divine resolution to all of humanity's problems, like a long sought after solution to an equation, is finished. In this moment on the cross, Jesus of the remote control, who many expected to take away all pain and brokenness, is finished. All they are left with in this moment is the man they had come to know and love, broken and defeated. In this moment on the cross, the Jesus that the church is most comfortable proclaiming is finished. There is no room for illusions that Jesus has come to boost the well-intentioned efforts of an institution or those who are casually interested in the idea of Christianity. All of that is finished in this moment 
on the cross. It is all finished. Yet somehow, the emptiness of our desires makes room for the fullness of God's deepest desire, for God's heart to be fully known. Good Friday is all about breaking through that which we expect and finding it replaced by that which we receive on the cross, God's heart. Wells writes, God always intended Jesus to come among us, not to fix a problem, but to embody God's love. Incarnation came with a risk, and when that risk was realized, God did not slink away, lash out, or call time. Instead, God underwent the full and horrifying consequences of that risk. But God also did one more thing. God disclosed the way the story ends. The way the story ends was decided before the story began, and that's how God exposes the emptiness of power. Every Good Friday, we have a sanctuary that has been stripped bare, and today is no different. This particular Good Friday, we also have a sanctuary that is bare of your physical presence for other reasons. This year has stripped us of other illusions as well. If I had to choose a refrain that summarized our past year, it would be this. I can't breathe. George Floyd suffocated and lost his life at the hands of racialized violence as these words escaped from his mouth. A chorus of COVID patients echoed the halls of hospitals and nursing homes with the same refrain, I can't breathe. Paralyzed by isolation, many among us struggled to find a life-sustaining breath, shouting into a void, I can't breathe. Every year, but this year especially, let us not shy away from the power and meaning of this particular Friday. There is no easy way to justify the cross or the suffering that Jesus endured. But there is also no need to make it any less brutal than it was. When we are able to stop and fully absorb what takes place on the cross, we are in fact face to face with God's very heart. The power of Good Friday lies in the fact that it's not solely focused on curative redemption. Jesus doesn't die on the cross to provide a simple and easy fix to our sin, our pride, our deepest failures, though that is what the Reader's Digest version of Christianity might lead you to believe. The finality of Good Friday makes space for a deeper kind of love that not only tolerates, but endures suffering. Maybe a fix is never what we needed in the first place. Think again about this past year. It's been brutal. In the midst of our struggles and profound losses, the transformative power and necessity of simply being with one another has provided hope. I cannot tell you how many stories I have heard about the ways in which a phone call, an email, a text message, a note, or a driveway visit provided the endurance to keep going. 
the heartfelt ways in which we have had to fight to be connected have revealed the heart of humanity. The truth is that the problems of racial injustice, insufficient health care coverage, and incapable leadership could not have been resolved in a single year. But there is no more denying that these things are real and powerful forces in our daily lives. Any story we were telling ourselves to, con- to convince ourselves otherwise are finished. Perhaps in its place, we have become a bit more practiced at sharing our hearts with one another. Perhaps in its place, we are invited to rediscover the love that God revealed on the cross, the love that not only tolerates suffering, but endures it. When all else is stripped away and we're confronted with the barrenness of what lies within, we may be surprised to find hope among the remains. There is one more story I want to leave you with, again taken from the Reverend Sam Wells. He writes, Trevor Dennis, in his book, Speaking of God, describes a scene of desolation, stale, stinking canal, broken lamp posts, flats boarded up, no trees, no grass, graffiti everywhere. For 30 years, the site had been empty since an explosion killed Mabel and Arthur, asleep in their bed in the front room downstairs. No one ever found their bodies. Nothing grew there until one autumn, a seed took root. Nobody noticed the plant for several weeks, but in the end, you can't miss a sunflower. Most of the local people had never seen a sunflower. They were changed by its beauty. The people left the sunflower alone. They thought they'd get used to it, but they couldn't. It showed up the drabness, the desolation all around for what it was, empty, ugly, dead. So people grew bitter about it. It became intolerable. One evening, they went in a great crowd and they trampled on that sunflower and danced on it and beat the fibers of its leaves and stem and crushed its petals. They went away in silence. And yet the people destroyed that plant in high summer when its flowers was full of ripe seed. In their dance of death, they scattered that seed over the entire site and buried some of it in the ground. So it was that next spring, what had been a scene of desolation was covered with sunflowers. There were flowers on Mabel and Arthur's grave at last. All illusions evaporate on Good Friday. There is no finality quite like the finality of death. Yet at the heart of this particular death, we are given a gift greater than any gift that can be measured. Amen.